This morning I want to preach out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's good to see all of you, all your faces this morning, and so uh, uh, that is good. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I would like to begin reading in verse 1. I would like to read down to about verse 22, I'm thinking. Let's read, and then if, when the Spirit tells me to stop, I will stop. And he says here, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached, unto you which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that He was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised." And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death by man, came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you now. Lord, help us today. We ask that you come into the service and take control. Let the Holy Spirit be able to have free reign as he walks in among the folks. And Lord, let him work on hearts let us forget the cares of this world for a little while and remember the resurrection of Christ. In Jesus Christ's name, 
Amen. This Corinthian church here, I've preached out of Corinthians uh, a few times now this year and quite a few times since I've been preaching. But as, as carnal as this church was, and as, uh, uh, it had a lot of problems, it was goofed up in a lot of areas, and to their credit, they did not have the completed Bible yet. Uh, the Apostle Paul was responsible for pinning 13 books of the New Testament. So we can't be too hard on them. Uh, they were steeped into false religion and false worship, then getting saved upon hearing the gospel preached. And he's laying that out in verse 1 on the gospel. And that's the st still the same gospel that we preach today, which is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. But the resurrection is what gives uh, the cross its power. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, is the power of His resurrection. Had Christ never arose to live again, everything that we believe and practice, according to this passage of Scripture, would be in vain. And would be, of all men, we would be most miserable. I mean, could you imagine not having no hope of life after death? I mean, could you imagine that if our religion was like the other false religions of this world, where the people that authored them uh, and, 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 and was the finisher of them, when they died, they're still in the grave today. But we... We have a hope that is steadfast and sure, and Jesus Christ, being the author and finisher of our faith, is today seated at the right hand of the Father. Our God that we serve, our faith that we believe in, we have a resurrected Savior. And we're not miserable. We don't live our lives in defeat like we have no power. The Bible says we're overcomers. That's what he's talking about when he says that we have overcome uh, the evil one. When we trust in the blood of Christ, uh, he gives us power to become the sons of God. But yet, Christianity today is in serious decay and apostasy, which the Bible refers to as Laodicean. But we don't have to be like that. We don't have to be dead we don't have to be a church that is rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, not even Christ. We can be an alive church today. I'd like to give you a few points of Scripture. Out of this passage, I did not take the time to read the whole chapter. But we'll refer to it. Now I want to give you the first point is, because Christ arose, there is power in the gospel that we preach. I mean, there is no more powerful preaching than the preaching that you can do when you're preaching on the cross, the gospel. It is the most powerful preaching that can be done. It doesn't matter what people group that you uh, are preaching to. They can be heathens. They could be people that have never heard about Christ, never even seen a Bible. But when you open it and begin to tell them about the God that made heaven and earth and that He come and made Himself a sacrifice and willingly laid His life 
life down for them. But then not only that, rose the third day like he said he would. That makes for some powerful preaching. And it puts the power in the gospel that we preach. The Bible says in Romans 1 about verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the resurrection that puts the power in the gospel. These apostles here, we've seen in verses 5-7, through seven, they were eyewitnesses of the resurrected Savior. And that means, and what I'm referring to, is that He bodily arose from the, the, the grave, and even so much so that that resurrection Sunday, which was on a Sunday, the Bible says the first day of the week, and they had an evening service. And so some of the the verses uh, that I use to prove why we still have Sunday night services around here. And I do understand that there's a lot of churches and a lot of fundamental Baptist churches with pastors that I know that shut down on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And I'll tell you this, I'm not doing it. Now, I didn't mean to get on that. It's not in the notes, but it has been on my mind, and it weighs on there. We're not doing it, and if I'm the only one that shows up on a Sunday night or Wednesday night, we're still going to have services, and why? Because it is biblical, and we have power in our gospel that we preach, and it is worth it. It is right. Now, I don't want us to become Laodicean. I want us to be more Philadelphian. It's the church of the open door, not the church of the closed door. Uh, that is a popular thing today. And the latest excuse is, well, gas is so high, we just got to shut it down. By the way, why don't you just cut down the trips to the cookie store then? Uh, shut down and shut out the trips to Dollywood and vacations and whatever else. But why would you take their gas money from coming to church? Where are we at in this church age? We're living and acting like we have no power. Like Christ is not living. Like He's not coming back. And the gospel, there's power in the gospel that we preach. Even Nicodemus, not Nicodemus, Thomas. Thomas, he handled the Lord. He said, I'm not going to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Y'all might have seen a ghost over here. The other apostles were telling him. He said, I'll have to touch him. I'll have to put my hand in the side. I'll have to touch the nail prints. And lo and behold, the next Sunday night, Thomas didn't miss that one. Hence, we call him Doubting Thomas. And by the way, <laughs> you've been doubting? <laughs> you doubt your salvation? You doubt where you're at in Christian life? Uh, maybe it's because you're more like Thomas than the other apostles. You're missing a little too much. Oh, preacher, I know I didn't plan to say that, but I'm trying to mind the Holy Spirit of God. I'm not trying to chastise or beat on anybody. I'm not doing that. But I don't want us to get cold on God. I don't want us to be Laodicean because, well, we just Laodicean, you know, that's just the way it is, preacher. No, it don't have to be the way that it is. We can be on fire for God. And we have no excuse not to be because there is power in the resurrection and there is power in the gospel that we preach. But because Christ arose from the dead, our salvation is real. And I read that part of Scripture. Our salvation is not something that's false or fake. 
Uh, it's not something that's mystical that we talk about and say, oh, yeah, you know, are you saved? Oh, yeah, I'm saved. And we lie to one another that there's never been no change. Let me tell you this. Uh, if you've ever been truly born again, you will know that Jesus is alive and he's living down inside your heart because there's something there that was not there before and you can't keep it shut down. You can't keep it hid. You can't put it under a bushel. You have to tell others about Jesus and this salvation because it is real and it's powerful and it's life-changing. You say, I don't know that. Why do you think I was crying during the time that Sister Lisa and little Brianna was singing? That family began to come to this church during the pandemic when we were having drive-in services. Lost. Worldly. Wicked. They didn't know how to dress or act or how to interact with God's people. They were lost. And we had been praying. This church had been praying to have a family just come in that was lost and get saved and see God make changes in their life. And there they are singing specials on a Sunday morning for Jesus. You say, well, are they perfect? No, but their power in salvation because it's made great changes and they've done great growth. And I'm not trying to build them up. But it was answered to prayers what I was crying about. I was seeing the power of the salvation of God working in lives. People that just believe in Him. But yet most churches today are dead. Even though we have a salvation that's real. We got a salvation that's real and just because you're saved doesn't make you perfect. God doesn't deal with the perfect. God deals with the sinners. God, God sits and eats and communes with the sinners not to sin with them, not to tell them to keep sinning, but to win them to Christ and to redeem them from the power of Satan. Our faith is not in vain because Jesus rose again. No other person has ever done this. Only God can rise again because there is eternal life in Him. <laughs> you can't give eternal life unless you are eternal life. And Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And because Christ arose, there is a promise. We didn't read about it, but there's a promise of a new body. If you was to look with me down in verse 42... He begins to talk about, well, let's read it. Verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. And this whole chapter is devoted that there were some in this church that did not believe in the resurrection. They did not believe that there could be life after death. Now, in my mind, and the Bible tells us, that would have been Sadducees. And that's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> Things you learn in Sunday school class as a kid. I've never forgot that. <laughs> That's why they were sad, you see. They didn't believe in the resurrection. And so maybe they had some of these people that were in here. 
and in this church. And they just didn't believe it. And he said, now wait a minute. You didn't believe in the gospel in vain, did you? Uh, you're going to have to believe in the resurrection if you believe in, in Jesus because what gives power to the gospel and what gives power to the salvation that we have is because Christ arose. And so now he's laying something else out here. And he says, it's sown in corruption is raised in incorruption. He begins to talk about this new body. He says, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body. There is a spiritual body. Come on down to verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He's talking about the new body. He's talking about more than that. But he's talking about we're going to get a new body. And because Christ arose from the death and the grave, and he has victory over it, we get a new body, a glorified body, no more pain. A body like Christ's resurrected body. A body of flesh and bone. A perfect body. I can't wait. I'm 52, going on 53, and mine's starting to kick up its heels just a little bit. And now they're telling me I can't eat sugar. I'm not supposed to eat it. <laughs> I can't eat it. <laughs> Uh, I'm fishing for whales. I'm going to see how many people laughed at that because you know what I was referring to. <laughs> and so I've had a go around with, uh, you know, the doctors, you know, you, you just can't eat it. I love a cup of coffee and two cake donuts every afternoon. Or cookies. That works. And they're telling me, No. Don't do that. Go to one cheat day a week. <laughs> I thought every day was a cheat day. <laughs> so what are you saying, preacher? I, I'm saying that there's going to be a day <laughs> coming <laughs> when we get a new body we can eat all the donuts we want to eat, <laughs> drink all the coffee <laughs> that we want to drink, and we can eat all the barbecue that we want to eat, <laughs> and it's not going to hurt us because of our new body and we know that that's going to happen because christ arose and there's power and it's the promise of the new body but then because christ arose he's coming again there's a promise of the rapture let's read on down here in verse 50 verse 51 he says behold i show you a mystery now he's getting ready to reveal something that had been kind of hidden and it's still a mystery to the lost and it's still a mystery to this world and the devil but it should not be a mystery to the child of God if you read your Bible because here he's getting ready to tell you what it is. He says we shall not all sleep, that means to die. But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be 
change. He said, well, I need more than one verse of Scripture. Glad you said that. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The Bible is not silent on the catching away of the saints. The rapture is real and it's going to happen. If you don't like it, you're going to have to get over it because it's going to happen because God said so. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died, He's going to give you the gospel. This is how you get in on this rapture. Died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. That means they're not soul sleeping. If you've had loved ones that were saved, that have died and went before you, they're alive right now. Their body might be in the ground, but they're alive with Jesus. He's going to bring them back with him. He's not talking about on the white horse yet. He's talking about when he comes back in the clouds. He'll not touch down. He's coming to get his bride out of here before he pours out his wrath on this world for rejecting him. It'll be called the time of Jacob's trouble. Watch what he says. Verse 13, let me back up. There's a word here that I want to grab. He says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. <laughs> Oh, you better go paying attention when Jesus says, I don't want you ignorant about this. And then he says, verse 15, For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord. That's that risen Savior. And he says, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself you know that one that rose from the dead? That one that told the apostles in like manner how I've come, I'll come back. Acts chapter 1 about verse 8. He says, I'm going to come again. I'm going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. He's laying this out because this church thought they was in the tribulation. I mean, these people run around today that think that uh, we're in the tribulation or that we're in the millennial reign and that the world's getting better and better. I don't know what kind of weed you're smoking, but uh, uh, hey, you're going to have to change brands or something because this world is not getting better. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. And it's going to continue to get worse. But Jesus is coming to again. And he says, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of this. They were convinced they were in the trib. And he says, no, you can't be in the trib because before the tribulation happens, Christ comes to get the church. Now, chapter 5, God's got things in the right order here. Watch what he says in chapter 5. But... Of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord. He's not talking about the rapture no more. This is the day of the Lord. That's when he comes back at the end of the tribulation. Notice its biblical order. When he comes back to set up his millennial reign, it comes after the rapture. It's in your Bible in the right order. I didn't know if you knew that. <laughs> But I figured I'd point that out. Now, my folks around here, we all believe in the rapture. We're premillennialist, But maybe somebody watching's not. And maybe they're just ignorant. It, 
It doesn't mean they're stupid. It just means they're ignorant. It's never been taught. And there is a difference between ignorance and stupidity. Ignorance is just somebody just doesn't know. They've not been taught. They don't know anything about it. But to be stupid is to be willingly ignorant. And you say, oh, I just can't believe. Yeah, you've probably not been around a preacher like me. I'm old school. I know I don't look old school. I feel old school. <laughs> I'm going to preach it the way they did 100 years ago. That's when this country was still doing pretty good. This soft soap preaching that's going on so predominantly in the world today is not making us better. It's making it worse, and you know that. You know that for a fact if you just sit down and just take a little time to meditate. Think about what's going on and how people are living. I mean, when we were kids growing up, I don't remember, I'm sure there might be a case, but I don't remember people doing mass shootings on people. I, I don't remember that growing up. I mean, just destroying 20, 30 lives, terrorizing people. But boy, we have more and more of that today, and I got news for you, buckle up, it'll get worse. It's going to get worse. You say, what would help that? Oh, I'll tell you what would help it is get the children in church at an earlier age so they can learn about Jesus because I don't care who you are and what side of the fence you're on. You can't convince me that when somebody wants to shoot up or hurt 30 people in a subway that they're displaying the love of Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you they need the love of Jesus. We got things messed up. We think good, solid, hard preaching is evil and that what people are doing, they're killing and taking people's lives. Oh, that's okay. That's acceptable. We can tolerate that. My, my. No. There's a rapture coming and I can't wait. I'm glad that we're not going to have to stay here through the tribulation. Now, because Christ arose from the dead, I know some of you are at your limit here. <laughs> You're used to shorter sermons, but I got one more point, so just hang in there. Don't cut your seatbelt yet. It's okay. Don't bail yet. There's one more. It, it, it's it's going to be easy. It, it'll be okay. You're past the hard stuff. Because Christ arose from the dead... We can have victory in the Christian life. Let me go back to 1 Corinthians 15. I'll show it to you in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 54. Verse 55. Let's start there. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory. How do we get it? Through Jesus Christ, uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a title. Because He rose. 
from the grave. We have victory. Death, yes, you can kill this flesh, this body. You, it, it can die of diseases. But there is a spirit and there's a soul inside of me, just like there's a spirit and a soul inside of you. And it's going to live forever somewhere. If you're saved, it's going to live forever in heaven because God has gotten the victory over death and over the grave. It's not going to hold us down. God has given us the victory. And then let's read on. Therefore, my brethren, or my beloved brethren, verse 58, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You see, because of this victory that God's got given us, we didn't win the victory ourselves. There's nothing good that we could have done. But because Christ won the victory, because Jesus was God manifest in the flesh, our labor that we do for Jesus is not in vain. This church is not in vain. This church, this building, it's not in vain. You, the saved, born-again people, who make up the church, this labor is not in vain. We have the victory. We have the victory. We're on the winning side because Jesus rose again. We need to abound in the work of the Lord. I like us to do just a little more for God every year. Just a little more. And, and you see us, we got the youth choir. And I, I'm, I'm proud of our youth choir. I mean, for such a short time, with limited resources, they're up and running and trying to sing and learn songs and learn scripture. I mean, Jenny gives them a little lesson on a Wednesday evening, then runs them and teaches them new songs. I mean, that's better than anything else you could do with your kids. It's about time we stop repeating the past and get our children involved in the house of God. If you don't have something for them godly, the devil will have something for them that's worldly and wicked. And I believe the devil's sifting them. We have the victory. Our faith is not in vain. Our salvation's not in vain. The new body is not in vain. The rapture is not in vain. And our victory is sure because Christ arose for you and I. We're more than conquerors because Christ, He paid it all. Grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful God to look down and care as much as He does about His creation instead of wiping it out, snapping a finger, and starting all over. He come and died. He died. He didn't have to. He's God. He created it. He didn't have to die. 
He didn't have to redeem us. He could have let the devil keep us and then started over again, but he didn't. Oh, what love the Savior has bestowed upon us. Salvation is a free gift from God. I hope everybody in here this morning has been born again. You don't want to die in your sins. Christ did arise from the dead. There is an empty tomb today. And we serve a risen Savior. What a wonderful Lord. And I am happy to call Him my Lord and Savior and my God. And I hope you do too. Let's all stand this morning.